You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. everybody. Oh, there we are. Thanks for having me again. I'm super excited to be here. That was truth. That wasn't me being sarcastic. I am really happy to be here. Um, this morning, we're going on with our series of the, um, the life you ordered, and we're doing this month, The Disordered World. Um, so when I was given the, the sheet that kind of talked about what we're talking about, it said, you know, fame, fortune, sex, money, and I was thinking they all sound like massive distractions. Um, And it's funny that I'm talking about this because I am the most distracted person I know. So I'm up here not to kind of condemn anybody, but to be like, hey, me too. Let's do this together. Um, But I googled the definition of disorder, and the first one to come up was a lack of order. Disorder is a lack of order. I probably could have figured that one out. Google, thank you. But the second one is a breach of peace or public order. And I like that one a lot better. Disorder is a disruption to our peace. And there's nothing that's a better disruption than distractions. When I was thinking about distractions, I'm sure everybody had something pop into their mind, right? You have your TV, your phone, um, whatever TV show you're currently binging. It's could be your friends and family. The world is fantastic at keeping us distracted from things that are important. I was um, looking up some stats because I really like to know just fun facts. I think I get it from my father of a a fount of useless knowledge is what we call it. Um, So stats are fun, but hey, (laughs) but globally, the daily uses of social media is 147 minutes a day, or about two and a half hours. 82.7% of Australians have active social media accounts. This one's, I actually thought it was going to be higher, to be honest, but 22% of car accidents are caused by phone distractions. And I think about 80% of that are kids or people under 30 years old, which is devastating. And 71% of people will check their phones within the first 10 minutes of waking up. That's the first 10 minutes, 71 people are already being distracted in their days. And on average, I promise you, I triple check this fact. It sounds ridiculous, but on average, people will check their phones 344 times a day. That's once every four minutes. That's, it's insane. I triple checked this because it didn't sound right, but I got this from multiple sources. It's a lot, once every four minutes. I don't know if your phone has ever played this fun trick on you, like it did me the other day, but I got a notification saying that my phone usage had been up 10 hours from the week before. Not that I'd been on my phone 10 hours the week before, it was up 10 hours the week before, which I'm completely exposing myself here, which is really awkward. But um, I checked the notification, it says that on average I was using my phone eight hours a day. It's a lot. It is. And I'm, yeah, this is me being humble. Eight hours a day. And I can say that I like 
was on music and GPS because I was traveling an hour each way. So two hours of that would have been GPS and the rest was music, but that's still about five hours a day. If your phone has that function, I really recommend that you check that out because the stats might scare you. Well, they might not, it might be just me. Or it could be Netflix. Do you ever hear that dum and you know you're about to watch a good show? Or maybe not. But it's, it's, TV's a distraction, right? When the second season of Stranger Things was released on Netflix, 361,000 people watched the entirety of the second season in one day. Yeah. Although, I'm also now going to expose my mum and dad and they're going to hate me, but <laughs> a couple of years ago, we started watching a TV show called Zoo. And uh, we watched the entire season in one day. So for nine hours, we sat there and did absolutely nothing. But this world, these streaming services, it is true, you were there. It was a family thing, yes. We spent time as a family. But these streaming services are designed to keep our attention. You don't even have to press the next episode anymore. It just plays. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm here now. I may as well watch it. And it goes again and again. And then you've spent the whole day. Social media is the same. You just scroll and you scroll and you scroll. And then you've spent five hours watching watermelons be exploded by rubber bands. What are we spending our time on? But it's just the way that things are designed now to just keep our attention constantly. Maybe it's not phones that are a distraction. Maybe it's being social. My brother, Lockie, I'm not saying, let me just caveat this by saying that um, I'm not saying that Lockie is using socialness as a distraction, but he's the most social person I know. We will go to the shops, and in five minutes, he's greeted 15 people. I don't know 15 people. He's exhausting to watch as an introvert. He is exhausting. But how many people will go from one thing to another and always be out so that they don't have to be alone with their thoughts? Again, not saying that that's lucky, <laughs> but this is, it's a thing, isn't it? You keep yourself distracted by socialness, by being out with friends, so that you don't have to be alone and face what you're dealing with. I wonder why it is that we're always so distracted and how it's affecting our relationship with God. Could you imagine that instead of spending five hours in front of the TV, we spent five hours with God? How much that would change our lives and the world around us? Sometimes it's not necessarily bad things that are keeping us distracted, but if it's keeping our eyes off of God, then it's not fulfilling a purpose in our life. We've talked a lot about Mary and Martha this year, and I think Lucky Sidereus said it when he was preaching on them that he sides with Martha. How frustrating is it if you're doing everything and somebody's not helping you? It makes sense. You get annoyed by that. But, and she didn't think she was doing anything wrong. Martha, in fact, was doing what was societally expected of her. She was looking after her people that were in her house. She was serving them good food. She was keeping the house clean. She was doing what was expected of her. But then Jesus told her that Mary chose the good portion by deciding to go against what society was demanding of her and sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. Of course, sometimes our distractions are not good or innocent things. John 10.10 says that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. I heard this saying a while ago that If the devil can't turn you away from God, he'll keep you so busy that you can't focus on God. And how true is that to our world nowadays? We've got so many distractions. 
This is C.S. Lewis. He is a very good author. He wrote The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is what we probably know him best for. Um, but he wrote a novel in 1942 called The Screwtape Letters. And if you can get through it, it's a great novel. It's very, very hard to get through it. I read quite a lot and I still struggle to get through it because it's so um, heavy. Because it's written from the perspective of the head demon down in hell and he's writing letters to lower level demons about how best to destroy his patients, which is humans, and turn them away from the enemy, which is God. Um, So the whole time you're reading it, you're going, yeah, that is what I do. And so you have to stop and you take like five years to kind of process the fact that these demons are affecting you in that way. But I do just want to read a bit of the book to you and you'll have to be with me on this because it's quite wordy, but I think it's so important to read this. A few weeks ago, you had to tempt him to unreality and inattention in his prayers, but now you'll find him opening his arms to you and almost begging you to distract his purpose and benumb his heart. He will want his prayers to be unreal, for he will dread nothing so much as effective contact with the enemy, which is God. His aim will be to let sleeping worms lie. As this condition becomes more established, you'll be gradually freed from the tiresome business of providing pleasures as temptation, as the uneasiness and his reluctance to face face it cut him off more and more from all real happiness. You'll find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him waste his time, not only in conversation he enjoys with people whom he likes, but in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. So at least he will say, as one of my own patients did on his arrival down here, I see that I spent most of my life doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. This was written in 1942. Can you imagine how much worse it is now that we have the entire world at our fingertips? The devil does not want us to be able to focus on God. And let's be honest, he doesn't really have to try that hard. (laughs) Which is hard to hear. And I, like I said, I'm not saying this as a person who has it all together. I am the most distracted person who's with me. Please don't let me be alone in this. <laughs> I can't even watch TV without doing something. I, can, I have to be on my phone, or maybe this is just me, but I have to knit while I'm watching TV because I get too distracted from TV. I, this message was the hardest thing for me to write because I was too distracted to sit down and write it. It's, it's funny how things work out that as you're talking about things, God's already challenging you on them. A distracted life does nothing to create a relationship or a connection with God. We get so busy. I, um, I am guilty of the social thing. I, I go from one thing to the other to the other. My housemate, I was there for about six months before she realized that I was never home. And she lent me a book say, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry from John Mark Comer. And it is such a great book about getting rid of your distractions, slowing down, and focusing on what's important in your life. 
But it's not just Christians that struggle with this. It's the outer world as well. We um, Recently, I've discovered this new movement in the world called Slow Living. And it's pretty much what it says. It's about slowing down and starting to realize what's important to you and taking time to intentionally spend that time on the things that you value. Slow living means living better, not faster. This movement's been going on since the 1980s in Italy, and I can only imagine that it's gotten bigger because more and more people are realizing that we need to slow down and focus what's important in our lives. I did want to ask you this question. What's important to you? And what are you spending your time on? Do they match or is there an imbalance of we're spending our time on things that aren't important to us? We need to take a moment to reevaluate what we're spending our time on and what we're doing in our lives because sometimes it just gets out of hand and you keep going and then you realize that you haven't spent any time on things that are important to you. But God loves us, thankfully, whether we get it right or not. He just longs for a relationship with us. In Psalm 37:24, it says that the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights on every detail of their lives. And though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by hand. I love this scripture, because he delights in the details of our lives. He wants to hear about everything from us. He wants to hear about the great things, the bad things, the, the exciting, the devastating. He just wants to be there with us and hold our hands through it. So why do we let ourselves get so distracted? I know that sometimes it's an unconscious habit like I was talking about. You go through life and you're, you're working and you're spending time with the kids and you're spending time with the youth and you're doing everything you can. And then we have forgotten what's important and we don't spend time on that. But maybe we're spending time distracted because we don't want to face God. Even subconsciously, maybe it's that. Maybe we're angry at him. Maybe we know what he's going to say, so we're not going to talk to him about that because if he doesn't talk to us about it, then we don't have to do it. Maybe we're hurt and we're scared to be vulnerable in front of God and we're protecting ourselves. I want to encourage you today to really take a deeper look at what is your boundaries in life, what is blocking you from spending time with God. It could be a self-conscious, unconscious thing but what are, we, what are we stopping ourselves from spending time with God with? That wasn't English, but you know what I mean. In Deuteronomy 5, 8 to 9, it says, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. It was the first commandment that God gave the Israelites when they came out of Egypt was you shall have no other God before me. That's the first of the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other God before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water beneath the earth. What are we prioritizing over God? What are we making an idol before him? There are so many articles on the internet because I thought, okay, what's the solution to this? Because I'm giving you a problem that we're probably all very aware of, but what's the solution? And on the internet, there are so many articles about putting God first. So it's obviously an issue. And I kind of put together some that I think are so valuable to our lives. Number one is hear the word of God daily. It's pretty 
we hear about it all the time, don't we? Like, read your Bible every day, listen to God. But it is so important because if you can't hear from God verbally, if you can't see pictures from him and you can't hear God, he wrote us a book of his words to listen to every day. So if that's getting up and reading the Bible or going to reading the Bible before you go to bed, or if the Bible in one year app is a great way to hear the word of God or listening to a podcast, changing our music from secular music to Christian music. It's simple changes like that that mean that we can get the word of God daily in our life. Number two, wow, the changed a bit, (laughs) is pray daily. It seems simple, and it is simple, but it's something that we kind of forget along the way. Pray in the morning when you get up. Pray before you go to bed. Pray when you've got that really annoying co-worker that is doing your head in. Pray for them. Bless them. Pray for uh, protection over yourself so you don't kill somebody. Just pray to God in everything you do. It can be simple, but it's just so easy to forget along the way. Number three is journal what God is speaking to you about. And this one, I feel like a lot of people just thought of 12-year-old girls writing in their diary about the crushes that they have in school. That's not what I'm talking about. I, uh, two years ago, I started writing about everything that God was speaking to me about the words I had from him, for myself, for others, um, prayers that I had that I wanted to see answered. And then I can look back on that and go, oh, I was actually supposed to be working on that and I completely forgot about that, so I'm going to try that again. Or it's cool to look back on things you've prayed for and go, he actually answered that in a way that I didn't expect. It's a great way to be able to keep account of what God's been saying to you. And I really do recommend, I love journals, so maybe this is just me, but I really do recommend getting down a book and writing down everything God is speaking to you about. And wow, I just did a, (laughs) we're fine. Um, (laughs) The last one is serving him. Um, We do need you to serve in church. That is, we have an awesome kids program that we need people to help in, for sure. But I'm not necessarily talking about that. I work in... um, in hospitality, which most people hate. I love hospitality, and I think that makes me a little crazy. But I think it's awesome because some people don't get a smile in their day, but I get to be a person that serves them a coffee and give them a smile, or how are you going? And I always think that that is a way that I can serve God by serving his people, and we can do it in our lives. People we deal with every day, we get to serve God by serving them. It helps us to, one... Be kinder to the people that we're serving because the customer is not always right, my friends. I'm sorry, they are not. Some customers are stupid. Um, Is that harsh? Sorry. But it helps us to be kinder to those people because we are showing them God. But it also helps us to keep God in our thoughts because we're praying for them. Where I'm asking God to show me people through his eyes. I'm relying on his love and grace not to yell at a customer. These things are all really simple things, but and they don't necessarily take up time in our lives, but I think they're so important for us to be able to keep God in the forefront of our minds. Maybe they're not your style, maybe you don't want a journal, but I really encourage you to think about what it is in your life that you could be making swaps to, swaps for, that include God in your life more, that we're prioritizing him, that we're not getting distracted by the things of this world 
and we're not putting God to the side. Instead, we need to be putting God in the forefront of our minds so that we can do what he is asking us to do. We can reach people. We can have help in our own lives. These things are so important and he's just asking for us to step out and reach for him instead of reaching for our phones. I'm going to encourage you today. We're going to take some time um, because you're all here, so we may as well take the time now so we don't leave this room and get distracted again. I'm going to ask Rod to come up and play some music, and I just want to take this time to have some reflection. What it is in your life that you aren't putting God above? What are we subconsciously idolizing? What are we putting in front of God that we need to make changes to? So if we just take some time now, I'm going to kind of stand off to the side. I just want you to take this time, talk to God. He can show you what areas in your life you're struggling with, and he can help you find that answer. Thank you. this opportunity this morning maybe God has just revealed something to you that you have to work through maybe you are sick of being distracted and struggling all the time maybe you need healing like dad said before come to the front this morning don't leave today 
and go back out into a world of distractions where you're going to struggle on your own. Find somebody to help you be accountable with. We have so many amazing people in this church. Partner up with one of them. I know Georgie and I will often talk about, yep, so I didn't, I slept in. I didn't, I didn't get up early. I, I haven't been reading my Bible. But uh, there's just distractions. <laughs> but don't leave this morning. Come down the front and be prayed for. Join with somebody who has faith that God can move in your life because he wants to. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.